welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Proverbs chapter four, the podcast that you've been waiting for. Mm. Everyone, actually, you guys wait for. I know you do. Yeah, everyone, a new one. It's good oh, stuff. Yeah. We we're excited about it. We're just we're just glad to read the Bible with you. Um, Proverbs has been really fun to do with you every day, and so excited to jump into chapter four and break it down. Um, yeah. Clark, let's what's sticking yeah, out. What do so you want to talk about Proverbs chapter four is meant to be re- uh, read in alignment with Proverbs chapter three. And so if you think of yesterday's reading, it talks a lot about God and about God's work and Mm -hmm. God's will and God's desire. And if you read Proverbs four, there is not a single mention of God directly in this chapter. Mm -hmm. It's more of a view of a father's instruction um, to us. And so still though, we can view God as father. And when you read Proverbs three and four together, you see like this vertical sense of wisdom and Mm -hmm. instruction, and then the application of that to a horizontal a relationship and again application yeah. and instruction. So it's dealing with interpersonal relationships and mm-hmm. applying God's word to our life. And what I love about this is what the writer is essentially saying is, here's what I learned from my grandpa. Mm. And here's what I learned from my father. So here's the first three verses. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and said, take hold of my words with all of your heart, keep my commands and you will live. And so what I love about this is there's a sense of legacy here. His words are not his own. He he is passing down lessons that he has learned from his father Mm -hmm. and probably his grandfather and great grandfather. And so like the other day you had brought up, I think it was in Proverbs chapter two, what are lessons that we have learned or have been passed on to us? And I have a ton of them. And we kind of talked about them on, on the second podcast. But one of them is the people that you want to hit are the people that need a hug. Or yeah. grandpa would say the people you want to kick are the people that you need that need a kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about that often. And just when people are making you mad and being irritable and kind of pushing buttons on purpose, there's a reason. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people wake up and just go, hey, I'm going to go out of my way today just to make people angry and be a total jerk (laughs) to everyone around. (laughs) Stuff's happened to them and they're hurt. And so that that piece of wisdom has helped me look at people differently, Yeah, especially just in life and ministry. Hmm. Um, One other one that grandpa always tell my father and myself would be when he was a young pastor, they had this meeting and he was expecting the church to show up and he got there and there was maybe half half of what he expected came. And he was so mad. He was focusing on the people who didn't come. He was grumpy and kind of let the church have, like, we got to take this mm. seriously and show up and do this. And one of the older elders came up to him afterwards and told a young Harold Corver, hey, you know, you don't need to be mad at us. We're here. <laughs> and <laughs> Grandpa in that moment learned... You're right. Like, why am I, why am I like rebuking you folks? Because you're the ones that actually came. And so Mm. the moral of the story there is just celebrating whoever shows up. We're here. And then again, that old life's a mystery to be celebrated, not a problem to be solved. Mm. Um, Taking that and applying it to life too. When we often find ourselves in situations that are hard to make sense of. And when you try to when you stop analyzing and trying to dissect and figure everything out, instead focus on God, his presence, and what God might be doing, it, it brings you a greater sense of joy and purpose to 
frustrating and even mundane situations. I think too, it just really promotes a sense of belonging. Like Mm -hmm. that's one thing too, that I, I, I just loved my, one of my sisters. So I have a very matriarchal family and one of my sisters who has a daughter who's a teenager sent us out a picture and it was her making frosting, the seven minute frosting with my mom. And this was just like a couple weeks ago. And that is frosting that my mom's mom and my mom's sister. So my mom's aunt made all the time when they, they, um, had the bakery. I don't know if it was part of the bakery, but it, it could have been a recipe from there, but it's called seven minute frosting. And the reason why is because it, it, that's how many minutes about it takes for the ingredients to combine, but you don't want it to go longer because then they might burn and yada, yada, yada. The point is, um, you wouldn't know any of this stuff. This is not, um, I think it's written down in a recipe book. This isn't like some thing on the internet. Like there's specific ingredients that my mom knows because of my mom's mom and because of my mom's mom's sister. And so that creates this rootedness that's like, hey, these are the people who I belong to. Like this, every time when I make this cake and I make this frosting and we sit down and we celebrate, we're going to think about who we are and where we've come from and this little recipe. And so just different things like that too, where I feel like they kind of tell you who you are without even you asking. Mm. I think about that too. And we, there's a, a other stories too that I cherish, but one of them was flipping through a picture book when Clark and I first got married that would always sit on grandma and grandpa's table. And it was when you guys had gone on a cruise ship together, all of you. So oh, all of your yeah. uncles and what grandma and grandpa requested of everybody was we want you to write in there though, like what your legacy is going to be. Yeah. Um, like to each of their sons. So like Clark's uncles and his dad. And I remember flipping it and getting, I, this, this is actually a point of memory and getting to Keith because that's my father-in-law and be like, Oh, what did he write? What did he write in it? And he wrote that he wanted his kids to live in the legacy of repentance. Hmm. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And he elaborated and there was like a paragraph or two about why that, why that was is important to him and my mother-in-law, Chris. And that has not left me. And that is something that I deeply want to ingrain in my kids also because of my father-in-law saying, hey, when you walk in repentance, that is one way that you make sure that you stay close to the Lord is when you are continually coming back on your knees. Forgive me, forgive me. And then how you have whole relationships with people yeah. too is why you humbly walking in repentance. And so Ask those questions. I think that's important of your own yeah. family and, and, or, or for you moving forward, you know, yeah. maybe you're the one that's starting this branch of your family tree and kind of creating this legacy. What do you want it to look like? Um, yeah, I would ask that. I, I would say too, when it comes to legacy, the most important thing you will pass on is faith and yeah. you have to start with those closest to you. So for, for sure. a lot of us as biological family, um, for some of us, it's going to be really, really close and dear friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not bringing earthly things with us to heaven, but if we love and pass on the love of the Lord yeah. with our earthly things and with our words and actions, then God will be glorified, and we're yeah. hoping that we'll see people in eternity. As the scriptures continue, though, the the author doubles down here when it talks about wisdom and yep. the importance of it. Verse five, it says, get wisdom and get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from mm-hmm. them. Do not forsake wisdom and she'll protect you. Love her and she'll watch over you. Mm-hmm. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs all yeah. you have, get understanding. <laughs> and so there's a really important note here though, and that is uh, teaching does not equal control. 
And so as mm. you read this, there's this underlying thought of eventually the child or the younger person is going to leave and depart and yep. grow up and be an adult and go. That's and the so goal. That's yeah. the goal, right? That's the We've goal. We've got a lot of basement adults right now. Yeah, that yeah, for sure. That mm-hmm. needs to change. Um uh and this is not saying like, hey, you're going to stay under the authority and the rule and the thumb of the parent forever. A good parent right. and a good leader knows they need to teach that other person so that when that young person leaves, they yeah. will take some of the teacher or the teaching with them and that right. will protect them. Um, we were just talking about, I sent you a quote from yeah. uh, Johannes uh, somebody. And it talks about how like a parent to a child needs to help them establish roots and grow wings. And the the rootedness and the wings are just crucial for a child thriving and making it in this world. Some people even say that's what differentiates the role of a mother and father. Yeah. And so a mom is like, come back to the nest, come back to the nest, come back, let's have potluck, come back, I'll feed you, come like, back, I'll do laundry. Use your wings, and boom, dads are kicking them out of the nest saying, go, I want to empower you, we're going to coach you, yeah. we're not going to control, we're going to coach, and you're going to do great. Mm-hmm. And the mom's like, come back, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then as you apply this, or don't apply it, mm-hmm. you will end up in right. one of two different places. And that's what verses 11 and 12 get at. It says, I instruct you in the way of wisdom to lead you along straight paths. When you walk, Mm -hmm. your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. And then verses 14, it talks about the path of the wicked and Mm -hmm. the way of evildoers. And so essentially there are two different paths and these two different paths lead to two different places. If you adhere to the teachings of God and you're part of a Christian community and growing in in the word Mm -hmm. and the spirit, you're going to experience life and you're going to flourish in your relationship with God and with other people. If you take the crooked road, the wide path that leads to mm-hmm. destruction, you're hanging out with people who are up to no good and have different values than that of God and the mm-hmm. Bible, you're going to find yourself in a painful spot. And that's what he wants to let us know in verses 14 and 15. He essentially says this at six different times, do not go there. Yeah. Don't go to the way of mm-hmm. the wicked. Don't go to the way of the of the the the, the problem makers, the trouble makers. Avoid it. Don't travel it. Turn from it. Go on your way. And the reason why is because, one, mischief keeps people from sleep, and it becomes their food and drink. The second reason given in this proverb is those who go down this path won't stop until they reach their goal of causing harm. Yeah. And again, it's like this becomes an addiction, living for mm-hmm. yourself, living for pleasure, living for that adrenaline high can become addicting. And for sure. the writer of Proverbs here is saying, do not get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. Because it's addicting and it's it's not going to lead you to the joy and peace and the the belonging and security that your soul really wants. And verse nineteen, I appreciate this. We've we've kind of alluded to this in other podcasts as well. But it says, "But the way of the wicked is like a deep darkness; they do not know what makes them stumble." Yeah. And there there comes a point in time where anybody who's in their mess asks, "How, how did, did I get I, here? How did I get yeah. here?" Like, how did my life get so terrible? Yeah. And what the scriptures allude to is this is called a consequence. And if you look back, there most likely was not one major decision right. that completely altered your life. It was probably a hundred really small decisions mm-hmm. where we became complacent and we compromised our values, and our relationships and integrity. And eventually you find yourself in a bad spot. And so in, in sermons, I've used this illustration. If you leave the port of Long Beach and head out to Catalina Island, 
think it's like 25 miles off the coast. You can see it on a clear day. If you leave and you are one degree off from port, you're going to miss the island by miles. And you're and yeah. that's where you kind of wonder, how did I get here? Well, you're one degree off. Those little compromises end up mm. paying a big price late, later on. And so I guess, Bobby, I'll turn it back to you. But verses like 20 now through 27, the writer just continues to double down. He says, my right. son, you got to pay attention to what I'm saying. Turn mm-hmm. your ear to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them in your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's all body. And I love verse 23. This is a famous proverb. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. And then mm. keep your mouth from perversity. So what kind of final words do you have when it comes to God's word and what we're supposed to do with it? Yeah, well, I mean, there's so much repetition in the chapter. So you've got to know that by now, you guys, with us on the podcast too, is if the Bible's repeating itself or... <laughs> saying something once or twice that kind of should perk your ears up. Well, this chapter has been just so repetitive for what to do, what not to do. And it ends on that too. And so pay attention, listen closely, do not let them out of my sight. Keep them within your heart. And it's Mm. so huge. That's verse 21 and 22. Because what we know about our eye and our heart is that's where we're going to go. If our heart is lingering somewhere or if our eyes are focusing somewhere, then that is where our body, our hips, our feet, our hands, that's where everything's going to go. That's a good word. And and you know that um, just in your own experience. Like we talk about that, how you want to lift your eyes to Jesus and how you want to focus on the good things of God and how that doesn't mean ignoring the problems of the world, but that means giving more time to God. That doesn't mean suppressing it. It doesn't mean shoving things down. No, it sometimes is actually quite good. I would say most often it's actually quite good if there's some kind of hurt or pain that you continue leaning into that while you focus on the Lord. So that way you can experience healing because when we don't, when we Mm. just keep shoving it down, then, then we're going to, tend to focus and our eyes and our heart are going to go toward that. And then that's the direction that we're going to go. And a funny story about that is actually when we took our kids up to, um, what was that little place called? Uh, it's right before Big Bear. I think it's Snow Valley. Yes, Snow Valley. And so we, that was part of our gift, um, for Christmas this year was we just did experiences. And so one experience for the, each kid, And so we went up there and we're like, hey, let's figure this out. How do you ski? You know, (laughs) six-year-old and eight-year-old. Super fun. But that was part of the learning is, hey, okay, you guys, you have got your skis on. Now, don't look at where your skis are pointing. Actually, look up at where you want to go. And then as your eyes are directed there, so will your shoulders. And then so will your hips. And so will your skis. And so that was kind of one of the first lessons that they learn is like where you're looking, you're going to go with yeah. your body and there you'll slowly start turning and you'll slowly start going that direction. And it was true. <laughs> well, what's so like funny we, about it is our kids under became to understand it and also mm-hmm. like didn't care. It's like we're oh doing my, the lift up to the top of the mountain and I'm sitting with our son. I'm like, hey, buddy, like this is actually probably the most intimidating part is getting off this lift got to stand up and just go down the slope. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, he's looking at the birds. He's looking at the tree. We get to like close to the top of the platform and homeboy just jumps off the lift. He's like, all right, see you, dad. (laughs) Jumps off the lift, drops him. It's probably maybe only three or four feet, hits the ground, pops up and is like, I'll meet you at the bottom, dad. And like a bat out of hell, this kid just goes (laughs) straight down the mountain because he was looking and, and then he would lean and look. You could tell his head was turning. 
Because at the to like, miss people about two thirds <laughs> or three fourths the way down the mountain, there's like a pack of 50, 75 people. And it's a crowd. And I'm like, oh, no, someone's going to get wrecked by this little tank coming down the mountain. And he he leans, his head's turning. He's got, they don't have poles for kids who are learning how to ski. They just put their arms out like wings. And he's leaning. And uh, it was, I was so proud and scared. I was like, I'm going to get sued here. What's going to happen? And he made it. So then the next time up, though, I, you better believe I had a, a hold of his collar. I had the back of his jacket. I said, you're not jumping off this thing again. Because what happened was they had to so stop funny. the whole lift. And everybody everybody beep, wait beep, for this beep, kid beep, to get beep, off. Beep, beep, <laughs> while I'm trying to catch my son. Whose kid is that? Yeah, I don't know whose kid is that. But anyways, <laughs> where your, your your eyes are and where your heart are, that's where yeah. your lips, hands, and feet will go. Yeah. And so if you're protecting your heart, which is the control center, it's where your intentions, your motivations, your thought and emotions mm-hmm. come from. Uh, this is where the Lord's going to do a great work. Mm-hmm. And so if you gaze straight, you you know you won't swerve. Yep. Stay to the things of God, and we trust that you'll meet the Lord. And are we going to make mistakes? Yeah, we are. But that's the gift of repentance. We repent, mm-hmm. we turn, and God is so gracious and just invites us back to His way. And yeah. so, hey, thanks for taking time to study Proverbs chapter four with us. Uh, it's a highlight for us to study God's word with you, and we're excited to bring you more to come. So, God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.